What's up, bitches? You are listening to another great episode of the Linux Lads. I'm Mike, and with me here in Connor Murphy Towers in Dublin, are Connor. <laughs> Hi, Connor. Hello. And Shane. Hi, Shane. Hello, Mike and Connor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shane, what we've been up to for the past uh, time? Me? Um, oh, God. Put me on the spot. Um, I have recently been uh following on from uh i think we talked about this last time was uh, a topic that came up at OGCamp was like uh how do we make linux more attractive to non-techie users like people who, who you know who don't get as excited about the nuts and bolts as, as some people would but uh i thought uh filmmaking in linux like how, how would that go like because i was experimenting with kden live and uh Blender and uh, you know obviously we use Audacity for this and I was thinking like the editing the creative side of Linux like that that's that's kind of a, an avenue that's a way to get people involved and get people interested and think oh well I don't have to use proprietary shit like Adobe mm-hmm. or you know After Effects and all that kind of stuff that costs heaven and earth like you know so you can use KDN Live you can use Blender for VFX like and I kind of I'm experimenting there so I'd love to actually make like something like a 5 to 10 minute short film in Linux entirely and just to show that it can be done and that it can look pretty good yeah that's uh, something's quite interesting Um, forgive me if I get his his name wrong but I I think he's um, a frequent um, person on on Jupiter Broadcasting um, on the um, Linux Unplugged um, podcast I think his name is Brent but again if I got his name wrong I do apologise but his whole thing was he just started off with um, Darktable which is the equivalent of Adobe's Lightroom Uh, kind of a bit of a play on obviously Lightroom Darktable but um, and it's uh, it's kind of a photo editing piece of software and it's something that I've used in the past um, it's something that any time I've taken photograph and I want to do, uh, do some light editing um, I just um, open up Darktable and it, it's very powerful it can do your whole his, uh, histogram adjustments your whole um, I, I forget the the curve where you can bring up your, your highlights and you bring bring uh, down your shadows and that whole thing it's immensely powerful but um, I normally just use it for things like um, like denoising the, the photographs and some some very basic editing but something that's very powerful um, that's um, <coughs> It's kind of a GTK app, but if you're into more um, on the KDE side of things, there's something called Digicam, which is, uh, I've been told, and I've used it a couple of times, is even more powerful. You can get, I mean, Digicam is legit, a very good uh, photo editor. So if you're on the uh, KDE side of things, and uh, definitely have a look out for Digicam. Yeah, I tried to use Darktable myself before. I couldn't really figure it out. I, I'd need to spend more time with it, but yeah, yeah it did seem pretty good. I don't know, I'm the kind of person who opens Blender <laughs> and then the self-preservation uh, sense kicks in and to protect my ego I close it again, I don't know, it's <laughs> really, really dumb. Uh, so what do you think you'll be using for for your short film then? Um, well, I, I, I have tried out like KDN Live, which which is good, um, and some great features, um, but I've, I've heard that uh, sh- Shotcut is better um, in certain ways. Uh, I haven't I haven't really given it a whirl just yet but yeah um for the like i don't know i like i actually had a sh- very short-lived youtube channel and all the video editing i did for that was actually in blender because little do people know there's a fully fledged video editor <laughs> built in to blender it's probably a fully fledged yeah. render farm and it's basically oh, it's <laughs> just it's like the, that 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 application is amazing it has <laughs> layer upon layer of of mysteries and uh it's 
yeah like one yeah it is it is it is a terrifying thing to open up and to use <laughs> initially initially but I, I actually did a course online like I did a like I'm I got about 10% of the way through it but it was enough to give me a grounding actually no sorry I tell a lie I did I did actually follow a series of YouTube videos um, which uh, I, I think we'll link in the show notes actually because they should be seen because amazing tutorial uh, by a guy called Mikey Cal or something on YouTube and mm -hmm. he goes through using using Blender as a video editor and he breaks it down and shows you how to arrange all the windows and it's immensely powerful like really really good just out of curiosity what kind of computer do you use to even be able to run that thing oh my my main desktop is pretty hefty like it's got like a, it's like a core i7 something 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm gonna say 350 3550k or something like that i don't know uh, and um i have a i have an nvidia gtx 1070 uh, with like eight gigs of RAM, no, sixteen oh, well, gigs of RAM. Sorry. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a pretty beefy system. Um, even still, it still struggles. Um, it's water cooled and everything. Like, um, oh. yeah, <laughs> not like cool custom water cooling. Yeah. it's got like those one of those all in one water coolers. Yeah. Well, something that you won't need a uh, uh, really beefy system for when we are into the business of great smooth segways is a deep in apparently. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> They released a new. Right. Yeah, yeah, I like butter. They uh, released a new release, 15.7, and they use less memory than Ubuntu. And some would say, uh, maybe with me in it, that it looks much better than uh, Ubuntu or pretty much anything else has ever has ever looked. Have you guys ever tried Deepin? Um, I in a virtual machine I have tried uh, Deepin in the past, and you're very um you're you're true when you're saying it's very uh, well designed, it's very aesthetically pleasing. If you, it's kind of it's based off uh, a GTA three or the GNOME shells, but it's kind of it, their own custom fork of it. But it's it's definitely very eye candy esque. But um, and it's interesting thing was the um, this is a. In our discussion notes here, it's a it's a, an article on OMG Ubuntu, but the the whole thing of their they're claiming with their very latest version that even um, Ubuntu with uh, stock GNOME that um, their fork of um, of uh, GTK three is actually more efficient and is running on uh, using less resources. So their their comparison here is they're saying that Ubuntu is um, using about one point one gig of RAM and theirs is using uh, four hundred and thirty. Or those so three eight hundred and thirty uh, megabytes of RAM versus one point one uh, gig of RAM uh, Ubuntu using um, um, running in similar back, uh, similar resources. Um, so yeah, it's very in it's very interesting. Um, and Deepin is, is itself is is quite shiny with its kind of transparent kind of glass effects, and it's it's very pretty. Um, one thing is, if you're anyway tinfoil hat about anything like that, it is um, developed by a, a, a Chinese um, company. So if you're anyway anti-Chinese, I don't know where you would be, but there are some people who are very uh, tinfoil hat about things like that. Yeah, I actually wanted to bring them up because uh, that kind of thinking, I've seen it online and it annoys me when people say well it's it's a chinese distribution it must be spying on us well maybe it is maybe it isn't but then uh so <coughs> every big world government and maybe every government period would just love to be able to spy on people and it doesn't matter if they are chinese or if they are f 
American. For all we know, there might be a massive amount of NSAs bywear in Fedora. What do you think, Shane? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like that, that, that is something I feel pretty strongly about. Like I do try uh, in every service I use online, I always try and steer clear of the big ones. I mean, obviously, eighty percent of the time that doesn't happen because <laughs> it's just so much more convenient. Uh, but yeah. Like I try not to put all my eggs in the one basket, basically. Mm. Like I use, I try and use Dropbox for my cloud storage as much as possible, and not put as much stuff on Google Drive. I moved to Proton Mail from Gmail. Um, yeah. I, uh, I d yeah, and there's a few other things that I can't recall that I that I use like so as not to use the the whole ecosystem for just one of these big companies. Because then I'm like, I'm just I'm giving you too much of my my life basically, and I don't want to expose my information to prying eyes because you just know they have back doors like some of them do uh, on that on that point um, is probably your influence as well I've been trying to de my life as well as much as possible as uh, I've also moved over to uh, Proton Mail as my uh, email client and the whole th thing or the email provider I should say and the whole thing of they're saying if you're not paying for it, then you are the product. So uh, I am paying the the five or a month or whatever it is for for Proton Mail, and the whole thing is they've no incentive to be looking into any of my stuff. And the whole thing of Proton Mail is the whole is the very encryption heavy. In fact, they at the moment on Linux the um they don't even have support for IMAP or anything like that, so you can't use um, Microsoft uh, Outlook if you're on, on, on Windows or, or something, uh, or running it under Wine, or using something like um, a Mozilla Thunderbird uh, to access the email. You have to log in to their app, and their, uh, the whole thing of decrypting your email and comes thing comes up as soon as you start logging in. And they, have, um, they also have their own uh, application for, for Android. But the whole thing of yeah, you it's very hard to uh, for them to actually look into your stuff. Yeah, I mean there's uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, public uh, eyes, a lot of public uh, a lot of public focus on uh, on uh, privacy and security these days. And uh, in the UK, Jeremy Corbyn, the, uh, one person's Lenin and the other person's. Uh, liberal is actually proposing a structure where uh, the government would create something like uh, Facebook and pay for it the same way the BBC or the RTE are paid from people's licenses mm -hmm. and we would have public or not we but the Brits would have public infrastructure that they can use and it would help prevent uh, a uh, siphoning people's data and be spread of uh, fake news because <laughs> because just like the BBC is, at least on paper, trying to be objective. This would also be objective. Now, on one side, it's a might be a great idea. On the other side, this could be so easily abused by the government if people are not careful. What do you guys think? I like I like it in principle mm -hmm. because, basically, because like uh, Facebook is a social network run by a for-profit corporation. So I guess I can see where he's coming from when he says uh, a public service social network basically but so yeah on that side with my with my you know um with my free software hat on it's a good idea but with my paranoid tinfoil hat wearing hat on <laughs> <laughs> um the you know yeah you're, you're you're absolutely right like it's 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 not 
yeah, it's not something I would feel comfortable with. You know, GCHQ or whatever could have all sorts of shit going on there. Yeah, um, and uh, like, yeah, no, yeah, but I mean, I, I trust, you know, the Irish government a little bit more. You mentioned RTE. You know, it's kind of funded by the license fee, but it's also got advertisements on it as well. So they're not quite as good as the BBC in that regard. But yeah, I trust the Irish government more, mainly because they're kind of shit at these things. <laughs> can, can you imagine Leo Brecker ever coming up with anything like this idea? Or gen they generally, when it comes to technology, they don't tend to do things very well in the Irish government. They're kind of like, oh, this internet thing, we should probably get on board with this. <laughs> well, you know, the the UK government they have got some kind of credentials because they did something really well about some government websites. But on the other side, they, they I think they still keep paying Microsoft for upkeep of uh, of a lot of XP computers. So. They are not that great either over there. Um, I I think that we should have something where we could basically the same way we we have streets, we need digital infrastructure for our digital lives as well, and it should be public and it should definitely be open source. Mm. And there should there should be and I'm saying a lot of should like somebody mm. please sort it out now. <laughs> uh, you you know, listening, Leo? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Varadkar. <laughs> Drop the Pope thing and get on it, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so basically, uh, somebody should think a way of us having uh, free avenues in or, or in the on the or information highway uh, to, to and should be free of commercial purposes and also free of some any kind of spying. Yeah, Connor. Um, I was just going to say that something along those lines. It's. Um, it has been tried before and to to varying degrees of success. Um, this is by no means current news whatsoever. But uh, uh, Munich, when they tried to switch over to the um, to oh, their own yeah. Linux distribution, they did it in inc the worst way possible. Where they're saying we're going to take a, a, an existing um, Linux distribution, we're going to fork it, and we're going to maintain it ourselves. We're using our own in-house IT team. So obviously that went well. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they they did the bad way. Um, apparently, other cities are are trying to copy that model, but doing it the correct way in order I think it's Barcelona or somewhere like that where um, I could again be getting the, the city wrong but the whole thing of saying hmm yeah we like this Linux thing but we're just going to employ Canonical to come in and just do it all for us which is the correct way to do it because then the, the city in the civil servants and the city infrastructure is not maintaining the Linux distribution that you that you picked, which I think is the biggest mistake that Munich made. And again, are you listening, Dublin City Hall? <laughs> uh, I mean, this this is yeah okay. Of course, I would like to see uh, a lot of Linux computers everywhere, uh, but there are other things. The, the the Facebook thing or the the Corbyn proposal kind of touches on it. Very important things these days are standards. So we need mm. we need open file, open data, open op and open standards, mm -hmm. and uh, like provable encryption, obviously, because these things eventually it might be used for your doctor's uh, data. Like you might, if, like maybe there's going to be virtual surgeries. What do we know? You know, I, you know, with virtual reality <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely hear you. Um, yeah, like the the. The, the infrastructure for online stuff and digital stuff, like all that needs to be put in place by the government like basically five years ago. <laughs> um, because it seems like anytime you get an initiative from any government or public body, it's always like, you know, 
they always have to do some lame shit like put E before everything (laughs) (laughs) lowercase E everything and it's like you know E taxes and you know (laughs) revenue online you know it's 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 just it's just revenue like it's just their website you log in and you you do you log your taxes or whatever you were doing there and uh, yeah like it shouldn't be pushed as this kind of like ooh it's a novelty no it's the way people live nowadays like people interact with this stuff on a daily basis so like put put the infrastructure in place for that for, for the people who want to which is most people to do like public ser- like do public service <laughs> to, to, to interact with public services online like right now to give you an idea of um, how bad behind the times that um, are the Irish government when you're just mentioning revenue just reminded me of this was um, during my I suppose annual that's kind of turned into six months um, spring clean of my mom's laptop <laughs> where verbally she installs some random crap that slows down her computer um, I was thinking um, I was browsing to her uh, installed uh, programs and said Adobe Air I'm like Adobe Air nobody uses this shite anymore so immediately I'm going to uh, uninstall this and of course uh, Windows com- um, comes up with the prompt of boom like are you sure you want to install this there might be things that uh, could be using it I'm like uh, what could be u- using Adobe Air this ancient piece of crap uh, click through revenue online services I'm like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> I was like yeah, yeah but that's that's actually useful you might as well you might have to keep that on so yes I'm going to keep on this integrated Adobe Air on your what my mom's computer what even is Adobe Air I've never heard of that it's the Adobe Air was the whole thing of you could run uh, a program in Flash or run your program in, in Java and it was supposed to be cross platform so in other words it was platform agnostic because you could just run it in Adobe Air bloody hell uh, it's, it was their there was their attempt at being cross platform and we're talking about in the mid 2000s <laughs> the governments like this kind of shit because the UK government does uh, give out to businesses uh, uh, like the HMRC software through which businesses can do payroll payroll so that you go, it's actually good because you don't have to pay Sage or whoever for for a big accounting software if you are a small business and uh, that thing is also that works on Mac Linux and Windows and it's also written in something like Adobe Air probably that <laughs> and it's horrifying to use but you know. this is so slow yeah uh, like yeah nothing uses Adobe Air and rightfully so or anymore and rightfully so except for antiquated civil servant <laughs> services well I think this was uh, the darling of all open source people Steve Jobs who basically took a big middle <laughs> finger and stick it up, up the arse of Adobe and uh, maybe we should have listened to him more because uh, uh, Flash, yeah. Flash and Air and pretty much everything they they use or they come up with uh, except maybe the creative suit is uh, holding progress back now that might not be an issue when everybody starts using Chromebooks because now we can run Linux on them. So, well, um, more traditional Linux apps. To yeah. For clarification, um, Google's Chrome OS actually is uh, is a version of Gentoo, but it's really? incredibly is it? it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it is based on Gentoo, but it's incredibly locked down version of it. In other words, it's like. Uh, uh, Apple's Mac OS or iOS is a, is based yes. on based on BSD, I but but yeah, um, 
Google's Chrome OS is effectively Gen 2. I've never heard of anybody, oh, I bought a Chromebook, now I'm going to have to spend a fortnight compiling something. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because it's, it's all on their own containerized. Oh, they yeah, pre-compile yeah. it, yeah, that's what yeah. But the, no, but the, uh, now um, I think the news is that they're exp- rather than it being the locked down, incredibly locked down world garden that's even more locked down world, world garden than um, Apple products, but I think they're gradually opening it up where you can just run traditional um, uh, Linux apps. Um, traditional, on, what is that? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, like you can run GIMP or something like that. Oh, okay. And so I think, as something that... Um, I think it was on another podcast they said we're going to tr- like troll them immediately and just install Firefox yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that just that would improve a Chromebook 100% in my opinion and is that isn't that happening to like Google and Apple uh, no sorry for throwing this in there that's not in the show notes I just realized you know uh, there is some gaming company or maybe two who are who are and Spotify and Netflix who are trying to get around Google and Apple's uh, 30% cut on Android and iOS Mm. Now making it somehow that you basically instead of paying through the Google ecosystem, you pay sideways through Spotify. Isn't there like a trend of taking these vault gardens? Well, well maybe not through Spotify, but oh, was it yeah, yeah, because you oh, use the Spotify website, you know. Uh, and uh, like, isn't there a trend these days suddenly to cra- try crack these vault gardens open and uh, make them a bit more? open for people to use them in a way that uh, Google might not necessarily actually like. I think on, on that on that point I think it is uh, and it's the major developer thing you're thinking of is actually Fortnite I think Fortnite to install it on, on uh, an Android phone it's like go to our website, download this APK, and sideload it because they're they're trying to get yeah. get rid or get around the thirty percent cut re- revenue or whatever the thing is, and um, it doesn't a dangerous precedence of saying saying oh everything should be sideloaded from an APK. I mean there is going to be dumb people who who just Google it and they they come across a website that looks very similar and they're like yeah I'm going to do, just download this APK and so so yeah. sideload it onto my phone. But it's already happening because. Uh I used to work in a shop, and there was a lot of people coming and coming because of Cody boxes, you know, wanting cables and stuff. And they would they would download whatever, and also on their phones, they people would put anything that would make them, that would help them watch free shit and <laughs> listen to free shit and play free shit. They would find any way possible. So maybe this is just the fault of Google and Apple being greedy rather than the people using the, the devices that they paid for a lot of money the way they want to yeah i think the uh i think the key issue with all that stuff is um it's basically companies saying here's how we want you to watch our shit and here's how we want you to consume everything and it's like what companies uh, companies are slow big companies are slow to change so like they're not adapting to how people use their content or access their content very quickly so they're like they're like, no, you have to get it from our app store, and you have to do it this way. And people are like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, you know, like, that's <laughs> not exactly how pe- what people that's, sound that's, like. <laughs> that's not how people live their lives anymore. You're not adapting to how people use your service. Like, so you know, I don't know, I don't know whose fault it is. Maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe that's just how things go. Maybe it's capitalism. Who knows? And it's me just kind of buzzing off some of the points that you raised. And uh, this could be uh, could be an entire. Um, conversation towards to ourselves feel free to interrupt me if i'm talking too long on this one but it's the whole idea of um uh, the cody boxes 
where Cody is a, is a legitimate uh, open source project. It's, it used to be the X, X, uh, XPMC or mm. Xbox Media um, Player or whatever um, project. And then the re- re- rebranded and became the Cody project. It's really good uh, project. It will... Um, will install uh, or will play local files on your on your Android phone if you ins- install it on your Windows computer your Linux computer whatever it's a really good kind of um, interface for um, for playing your your media but what a lot of uh, a lot of nefarious people was what they're doing was they're just um, because it runs on Android they're essentially just started introducing these really cheap boxes running Android and they just slapped Kodi on it but they also slapped a whole load of plugins that's like watch Netflix for free and all of this cheap or really nefarious stuff yeah. so that taint, uh, tainted the name of it was just referred to as Cody boxes and people were associating the word Cody with piracy which the, the Cody people were like no no that's not what we are at all but what it was was the plugins on top but they were just putting those weird plugins on top of Cody yeah I'm really glad that you st- that you interjected because I basically said Cody box without explaining it and that's uh, that's that shouldn't be because that that gives them crap that they don't deserve yeah. uh, and uh, it is horrible how this kind of reputation just grows without them being able to do anything about it yeah I mean it reminds me of a conversation I had with someone who worked the other day uh, he was asking me what is Linux basically and he was asking those questions and I said um, and and he said, uh, he said, oh, so it's free. Oh, so you can just get a load of shit for free. Oh, that sounds great. And, mm-hmm. like, and I was like, no, 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 hang on, come back here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's, that's, we're not done. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I had to explain, like, people just fundamentally don't get the philosophy in mm. some cases. Like, people just don't, un- like, they fundamentally just don't get it. Like, they, they, like, I'm not saying they're never going to be able to get it, and we yeah. shouldn't try, but, like... Like some people are just like, oh, cool! It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. That's the benefit. No, it's mm. more to it than that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so yeah, you're right with like Cody prime example there. People just so oh that they, you know I can watch Big Bang Theory for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh God. Yeah, mm, yeah that's or another topic. Yeah. <laughs> or Game of Thrones or Breaking Breaking Bad or whatever is your um your TV series of choice. But the whole idea of yeah it. I suppose the, the free software movement uh, the one thing that's bad about it is you have to explain it's like free as in cost free as in gratis as in this doesn't cost you anything versus free as in freedom and if you have to ma- constantly be making that distinction of no, no don't think think of this as free as in cost it may very well be free as in cost but it's also free as in freedom then you I think you have a fundamental marketing message so sometimes I use the term um, open source more even though t- they're tangential related but I think they're not closely aligned uh, to the utmost degree I'd use the word open more so I would use the term open source because it describes exactly what it is the source of the file is open anyone can see it versus if you have to say no no it's free as in free as in freedom as in free from your your rights and everything is free if you have to go into that five minute long spiel every time that you bring it up then I think it's a marketing problem I just say Libre because it makes me sound really educated (laughs) (laughs) a really hipster yeah a really hipster Uh, I'll call you guys as Libre (laughs) oh my god is this like so Libre (laughs) and um, but that kind of uh, that kind of split is amazingly characteristic of this ecosystem, whatever you want the ecosystem call, 
whatever you want to call the ecosystem. So we have free and Libra and we have uh, Flatback and Snap and we have uh, this and that. That seems to be the basically to correct if to, to come back to what you were saying, Shane. What is Linux? Linux is choice. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the philosophy behind it anyway. And uh, that's that I think summarizes it because then it's up to you what you choose and uh, there are like recently you know maybe not recently every time there is something in the newspapers or in the not newspapers but you know online saying oh this is going to kill linux this is going to destroy open source this and this is going to uh, eradicate uh, us using free software and um, it just seems to it just seems to me that uh, this movement, this choice that we have, you can't destroy it or take it back anymore. It's it's too big, and yeah. uh, you can't uh, destroy an idea. You can, <laughs> yeah, you can. No, but you can. You cannot destroy this because it's it's uh, too popular. Too many people like using it. So, well, uh, on that point is uh, on the uh, the fact that it's all about choice. I like the fact that it there's a spectrum. I like the fact that if you agree one hundred percent with the philosophy of no, no, no proprietary software on my computer whatsoever. I don't want anything, and uh, it's there. Are, there are choices for you. I mean, there's something called um, Triscoll Linux, which is based off of Ubuntu, but it gets rid of any kind of proprietary um, blobs or anything that's in uh, Ubuntu. Um, there's uh, open source uh, BIOSes. If you want a, a BIOS for your laptop, there's limited. Um, compatibility with hardware but it's, I think it's called Libreboot so there is that option available for you as, as well so you can go 100% in that direction if that is what your philosophy is I'm more of a pragmatist in other words um, I will use uh, what works for me in other words I will use um, Linux because I like the fact that it, it has benefits for me but I will also use proprietary software on top of it I will, I will use Google Chrome if I want I'll use uh, Netflix with their proprietary DRM plugins and something like that because I'm being pragmatic about it I'll use it if I want to allow me to interject <laughs> <laughs> no I, th- I think that that actually is what uh, what makes us a community because we don't let anybody tell us what we want to do unlike uh, you know unlike people who are not in, interested in in computers and they just use what's available there what is what is the most convenient and um, it is it is amazing how long this it has been around I think it's been recently Linux has been 27 years old or something and yeah, Debian yeah, yeah. 25 or something like that mm. and yeah. Uh, yeah I mean another smooth segue from Mike is that another old project has been around for donkey's ears as they say is thunderbird and it's getting a new look and new features and a new logo apparently um it's this is something that is long overdue as far as i'm concerned it was kind of being kept on a, a sailing drip for a while kind of saying it it, it works but like we haven't been updated it we're, we're just kind of um occasionally giving it updates now it with the new redesign of Firefox and uh, Thunderbird is also getting the redesign so the previous version I believe was uh, Thunderbird 52 which was kind of very long the, in the tooth and had barely any updates and was kind of just being 
kept in the background saying it's it, it works but it works but there's no updates for it now they've switched they've gone straight from 52 over to version 60 and i think it's the brand new version or based off uh, the new version of uh, firefox so the new firefox redesign and the new uh, or the new firefox redesign is carried over to thunderbird and the back end of this the snappy new firefox code the fact that it's much faster is being transferred over to thunderbird as well so long overdue as far as i'm concerned yeah everybody get thunderbird there's cocaine in it uh, <laughs> there's been a change i don't know if we maybe talked about it recently because we touched on mozilla in the first episode but uh the guy from system 76 and Mycroft and uh, eventually ended up uh, as a community manager for Thunderbird. Yes. So I, f- I keep forgetting this guy's name. So I'm just going to call him the guy. <laughs> and uh, he, This will be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the actual name would be in the show notes. Uh, he is, uh, he, I think that signifies the stuff that despite uh, numerous reports, Thunderbird is not dead. Yes. And they are actually trying to lift it from maybe not the ashes but the uh, but the in uh, in mobility that it's been in for like, some like time. Like a phoenix from the ashes. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a horrible metaphor. Anyway, um, something that's also moving forward uh, is uh, apparently now you can install now you can install uh, firmware updates on uh, the Lenovo ThinkPads, which you Connor would probably love as you're an <laughs> owner of one. Uh, I I'm currently and this is currently being recorded on a, a T four fifty, but I believe the very latest versions, the T four eighties and so on, um, and apparently it's been it's been a long time coming. Is a you can now say for example if there's a new firmware update or something like that or for the, the laptop if be it BIOS or something like that you you get a prompt and say there's this new um, update that's coming so apparently um, Lenovo ThinkPads are now you can now um, with the latest version the T480s and so on you now just install say oh there's a new rather than um, relying on Windows or something like that to update your BIOS you can, it's just a matter of just clicking in and say yeah there's new update cool that's that's also that's very cool. And um, apparently, after adopting LXQT, the Lubuntu project is going to switch to Wayland. Hey, <laughs> by twenty by twenty ten, uh, which is uh, amazing. Have you guys tried Wayland? I yeah. This is my next question. I have run a live distro with Wayland on it, and I was like, how is this different? I just, <laughs> just then, that's that's great though. Oh yeah, I that's, suppose. That's, that's but what are the improvements like for people who know about these things? And um, with, with regard to Rayland, yeah, like well, how is it better? Um, Explain like on five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, most things are based on the X eleven, which I think I think X eleven has been around since donkey's years. Since uh, I think even way before Linux was even around. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure some some person who knows better will be uh, replying back to our email and saying, "Oh yeah, by the way, you're in, you're you're, in, you're incorrect." Um, but um, it's something that's been around for like twenty or thirty years. It's very antiquated. It's kind of something that's works and we were kind of constantly patching it to say now, now it's it, it just to upgrade it but it's fundamentally in its core is something that's very ancient uh wayland is something that's more uh, more modern so it would uh, in- introduce uh, better things that i think uh i can't think off the top of my head but it's kind of it is more a more modern kind of stack of 
displaying windows and some something like that. But one thing that I would did want to correct with Mike when he said, um, by twenty ten, it's Ubuntu version twenty ten, not the year twenty ten. Yeah, I actually. Wait a second. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. You see, I'm glad you guys paying attention. That was a test. Um, no, Wayland is uh, meant to be secure as a protocol, and it's a completely different architecture. So with Xorg, you have the X server and all the. Uh, all the s- s- rest of the stack is basically client software that connects to it. Mm. Valent is not a server; it's a process, it's a protocol, and it's meant to be much more secure and uh, I think extensible. Uh, we could obviously find better description, but there is a uh, there is a reason why everybody's trying to switch. And uh, I tried it on uh, I tried it on uh, the KG desktop this morning. And as much as you, there was no difference. And I think that's a good thing because we shouldn't know a difference um, mm. unless there's something really broken with, with, with X and then there should be an improvement. But if, if, you, if you put me in, if, if there was a case where you put me in front of a Wayland and in front of an Xorg uh, this, uh, installation and I can't tell which is which, then I think that's the best job they can, they can make with it. They mm. can do with it. Uh, having said that, I did notice some differences, like uh, something that doesn't matter on the Wayland desktop if uh, the cursor is uh, on the actual desktop, not an an up to application window. The cursor is about two or three times the size of, the, of a normal cursor. And um, there was some fun going on with my SSH agent, but that might be just because I was previously running Xorg and I logged out and logged in without restarting. And uh, I think I need to re uh, reset the, the the trackpad because suddenly it was scrolling in the opposite direction. But those were all minor things, and unless there's something much much major, then I think Wayland, after all like ten years or something, or maybe even more, is finally might be finally ready for production. Mm, yeah, be, I'm, I'm, maybe so I'll try it out or might do my research. Certainly something, to, <laughs> certainly something to look forward to because it's uh, and it, it could be at this age as, as as Mike was saying that you won't notice the difference in others they could switch it tomorrow and it'll be uh, brand new but I think there's some um, niggly things in the, in the background because I think uh, Ubuntu um, have tried themselves doing Wayland by default and then they've ended up um, backpedaling I think they they were going to do um, with their latest uh, 18.04 LTS release They're, they were going to do uh, Wayland by default they didn't think it was quite mature enough particularly not for an LTS uh, LTS obviously will, will have to uh, there's more um, scrutiny on an LTS release mm. something has to be rock solid stable for an LTS release so there's, there's a reason why they kind of do their experiments on, in previous versions for, or, or other versions for example um, their switch to GNOME was uh, in 17.10 rather than 18.04 in orders so they can hammered out the bugs so um, they tend not to do their their experiments on 1804 so uh, presumably they felt that um, Wayland was not quite mature enough for their 1804 release yeah I mean they do have massive adoption so they do have to be very careful although as as far as uh, or Ubuntu goes they are and their usage of GNOME uh, you said Connor that you had a problem with uh, with GNOME because it doesn't show you the Dropbox icon in the top corner. Yes. I wonder what they are going to do with that because mm. this is very true. 
Um, it's, I mean, the, the computer that is doing this recording at the moment is running um, a version of uh, Linux called Antragos, and uh, um, I was just saying, hmm, I wonder what GNOME is up to these days. So I decided, okay, uh, wipe my computer. Antragos would would GNOME or their version of GNOME at least with some s slight tweaks, and installed Dropbox. I was like, hmm, yeah, Dropbox. Um, find that useful, so I'm going to install that. Um, the the Dropbox indicator icon, you know, where you can um, where it minimizes it, you can right click on it, and it's like right click, bring up a menu to go into preferences, or um, and then selective sync, which is I use quite a bit, particularly um, on my on my laptop, is I go into selective sync and say, oh yeah, I only want certain sync things to sync down. Um, that that icon does pretty much doesn't exist on GNOME, so it was the kind of the case of install Dropbox. Oh, it's it's running in the background. I'm thinking, wait, is it pulling down absolutely everything, including uh, a lot of the like? I have a lot of music files and things like that that may take up a lot of space. And thinking, no, I don't want you to sync that right now. So it's a case of panicking and then going into the task manager and then killing the process because literally the icon wasn't wasn't there. So, um, but I, in other desktop environments like Cinnamon or KDE or something like that, they do have support for those kind of legacy icons. Um, so it's not like legacy, it's not like legacy icons. If if yeah. everybody else is using it, this is a major usability fuck up as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, we are still a new podcast, so we can actually do this. What is your ideal uh, or most favorite desktop environment, Shane? Oh, okay. Um, this has changed a few times over the years, but for for no the pressure. no pressure for the <laughs> longest time, I thought like. The, the whole philosophy, like the, the what Mate is doing nowadays, um, GNOME 2 kind of look. like mm. So you have your, uh, your your applications, your places, your system, or yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And you have your thing along the top. But what really pissed me off about GNOME 2 before was that like in, I think it used to have a, th a taskbar on the bottom and the top. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. like, why? That's no point. Yeah. And <laughs> and so I had, uh, so that's what made me ditch it eventually because I thought I'm, you know, wasting that like twenty pixels of vertical space on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think Cinnamon is where I'm at right now. I really yeah, like Cinnamon. I, I really like Cinnamon as well. And um, for the people who are not aware of the Mate desktop, the Mate desktop is literally the direct continuation of the GTK or the GNOME two code, um, but modernizing like it does support GTK three. Um, Mm. As, and so on so they've completely modernized the back end but it just looks similar so if you're used to that paradigm of something like that of, of switching like Shane was saying with the application menus the three menus at the top and mm. your top bar and your bottom bar but uh, in a, the Ubuntu Mate edition I think they have a desktop switcher so you can change yeah. the layout around if, if that is not your preference um, obviously though special mention goes to XFCE because I've <laughs> always just I've I, it, Anytime I have a low power, I've always had like kind of a big computer and like that sits in my room and then like a little computer that I bring with me everywhere. Um, and on the little computer for many years, I had uh, Zubuntu, like, mm. and XFC is fine. Like, it's it, that's the best way to describe it. It's fine. It just does what you want it to do and it doesn't take up too much space and, it, you know, it, it doesn't get in your way. Um, for people in the know, I or the in the know, I uh, describe it as the Debian stable of desktop environments. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, it doesn't change much. It does the job. Uh, maybe slightly outdated, but it it rock solid. I certainly uh, prefer to LXD or LXQT or whatever the cool <laughs> kids are saying. I think, yeah, no, LXD, LXD. Oh, sorry. The, the, so the Lubuntu distribution that we mm. started this discussion <laughs> of 
tangent. To me, <laughs> yeah, this 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 massive. We, we move and ta- we move tangentially. We just, let's just <laughs> accept that and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the Ubuntu distribution for me that was always like, okay, I try it, but I'm not gonna like it, and I tried and I didn't because the icons are horrible. Uh, the functionality from the manager from the manager from the window from the file manager was missing everything kind of works and it actually did work but it was really ugly as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned so I never gave it serious consideration and uh, now look at them suddenly uh, I don't know what changed in the project uh, but suddenly they are on the forefront of uh, forefront of uh, progress like the you know gone are the days when Lubuntu was the even more Jurassic than than XFCE with me, <laughs> and uh, suddenly we have them, you know, uh, using LXQD. Well, maybe not so suddenly. It is just because it came suddenly into my head, but it's probably been happening for some time now. Yeah, it has been but, long in the work in the works. Yeah, you know, they are adopting LXQD. The project is moving forward. They, as as we talked about before, they dropped this. Uh, oh, we are a really lightweight for computers that have got a uh, half a megabyte of RAM. Yeah. and uh, you know, uh, and a floppy for a disk drive, <laughs> and. Uh, you know they are becoming a serious contestant for people who, uh, for people who like um, the look of cute, as opposed to the overdone look of GTK, as is in Cinnamon Mate Gnome, and XFCE, mm-hmm. and uh, they do like uh, they they do like uh, new things and uh, you know project moving forward really uh, really at some pace, so I'm really looking forward. And I say forward a lot. I'm looking forward to what they come up with, and maybe they will give KDE some a competition and make KDE even better in progress. Mm-hmm. So to answer the question on everybody lips, yes, I like KDE, <laughs> and, I'm, and I've been liking it for about six months, and it's uh, so stable, and and at the same time still updating and adding new features and new shiny, and I really like shiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, I think I'll be like as long as they stay on this course, I'll be liking it for a very long time. Um, certainly, I, I have tried out um, KDE Plasma 5 um, in the past, and it's pretty much everything that Mike has been describing. It's just um, there'd be little small things, niggling things that might annoy me that uh, would, would cause me to say, hmm, I wonder how, what other desktop environments are they implementing this one particular thing better? And so that caused me to distro hop. But in terms of if I, if I was sat down and say, the, there's this laptop right in front of you, it's running KD uh, Plasma 5, but you have to use that for the rest of your life, I'd be perfectly fine with that. It's, it's very well designed. and very stable. I was like this with KDE before when I, you know, when these little niggling things would come up and I would switch to GNOME, but back then the little niggling things were like your uh, your audio server crashing and suddenly you had no sound. Um, so yeah, props to the KDE project for being awesome. Uh, uh, one thing I will do, uh, that um, Shane mentioned uh, is Cinnamon and I really like Cinnamon myself. Um, to me it's um, the GNOME shell or the GTK3 um, modern GTK3 but sensible in other words if you're used to a a close approximate I would like to describe it as Windows 7 so if you're used to the Windows 7 paradigm as in the menu is down there there at the bottom and you have kind of a search bar and things like that if you think that is um, your idea of um, uh, a UI paradigm that you're used to which for some reason my brain is just kind of stuck in, in that era is that's the way my that's the way I ex- where I expect things are it's very Windows 7 isk 
yeah. And it might be controversial to say, but I actually liked Windows 7. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think it was, I, for me, it was peak Windows. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, XP was like, oh, yeah, it's all right. You know? <laughs> and then Windows 7 came along. I was like, oh, okay. This, this isn't half bad. Like, it, you know, for Windows. Yeah. No, well, you know, let's, let's not get all tribal about it. Like, <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's good, it's good. Uh, no matter who makes it or what philosophy it's built upon. Um, yeah, Windows 7. I happily use Windows 7 for years. So what can I say, really? Yeah, so uh, in other words, if you if you do really like Windows 7 and you think that Windows 7 is is how you expect a computer to run, but you want a Linux equivalent, probably try the Cinnamon desktop environment because it would be, wouldn't be exactly the same, but it would be very similar. You'd, you'd find familiar things like, oh, the settings is kind of laid out the, the way I expect it and that sort of thing. I think it looks quite good as yeah. well. It looks really nice these days. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's not be trying. Try um, we are nearing probably the end, but I really want to discuss something that's not in any show notes. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to make a pause so that you guys can cut it out if you don't like it. <laughs> pause. And now we are going to discuss what gave you a Linux boner in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the, in the, in the last uh, insert your favorite period of time. Uh, you know how many times I had a podcast that would just say, yeah, we are cutting this out. And, <laughs> and then we'll just leave it in. <laughs> yeah, because it's fun, isn't it? Anyway, I came across a project or a product. That's no, not a product. It's free and open source software. And that really almost gave me a boner if that was my kind of thing for a sexual kind of thing, but it was more about the functionality. Yeah. It's called Visidata, and it's a spreadsheet, which is makes what I just said even weirder. It's basically a spreadsheet that can load about, I, I successfully loaded uh, seven million uh, lines of CSV into it, and it opened it, and I could work with it. I mean, eat that Excel. <laughs> you know, LibreOffice can't do that. Uh, Excel can't do that, as far as I know. But this little command line application written in the king of programming languages, which is Python, obviously, <laughs> uh, does it very well. So props to whoever makes Visidata. I don't remember his name, but it will be in the show notes. I really like using it, and uh, I hope it will go even further in its awesomeness. Mm. Uh, that's certainly Im- impressive. In the sit- if you say the statistics, what you're saying is, is correct. Is the, that old thing of you've this incredibly large CSV file and just opens, boom, there you go. No, no problem whatsoever. It's it's not exactly boom, but it's yeah, like yeah. okay. You open it and you can see the numbers coming up at the bottom uh, bottom mm. corner that it's loading them, and uh, it's the, the, the fact that it's kind of choking through. Yeah, it's it's not it's not like stuttering or just plainly refusing to do anything, yeah. and you can use. Uh, Python regular or regular expressions to filter stuff and it has got many other awesome features I won't bore you with. Yeah, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean oh no, you're you're preaching to the converted here. Spreadsheets, data, I'm 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 on board, don't worry about it. Um uh, yeah, like I was about to say, I was about to say I have a boner, but that's <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. Um I, I I have a thing to contribute to that thing you just said. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I discovered something recently that was uh, really cool. Um, it's it's probably old hat for many, many people listening, but and even the couple of people in the room. But <laughs> WebDAV, I uh, like I remember we were f- fudging around with NeoCities for, for the website originally. And, you know, and uh, you can connect to that with WebDAV and it just shows as a network folder. I mean, it, it sounds like really simple, yeah. but like I found it really fun. Like I, I just, I just thought, ooh, I can think of many uses for this. 
Um, you know, I just like that idea. When it comes to like cloud storage or hooking up a storage, I love the idea of uh, just having network folders. Like it's because that's yeah. the way I like to operate. Drag and drop. Um, I'm a bit of a luddite in that kind of way. <laughs> yeah, the the um, UI paradigm of the whole of browsing through something and then just dragging and dropping. I mean, that's the whole thing of people who um, have FTP servers and rather than you, you, from their web browser and then going in and saying, all right, uh, manually saying file upload, blah, 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 this, this one thing. I mean, this is the whole thing where uh, FileZilla came in. So it's like, this is uh, files for people who've never seen uh, FileZilla is kind of two panes where it's, this is on the left is your, it's, a file manager is kind of splits in two so on your left is this is your local stuff and then you say oh I want to log into this FTP server username password blah, blah, authenticate your credentials blah 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 and then on the right is like this is your FTP server and you can literally just drag and drop copy and paste between the two and it's just it, that it saves a whole lot a lot of time just to have that whole drag and drop functionality yeah it's nice to have a visual as well it's yeah. nice to see things like because you know I, I love I love the efficiency of the command line and the efficiency of keyboard shortcuts but nothing beats being able to see yeah. everything like with nice pretty pictures yeah the whole tree menu and things like that understanding right. helps oh, you no. to visualize if you have got like a bloody stack of files and folders yeah, and think, thinking, hold on a minute, like, I see that this picture picture is in my documents, whether it should be in my pictures or something like that, and just seeing instantly, going, boom, that's wrong, I should drag that over here. Whereas if you're navigating through um, through the folders on your command line, it may not be as, as obvious. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can marry the two, don't you? You can use something like Midnight Commander or uh, the excellent VIFM, where you have uh, everything's going on command line, so you can use it on a server that you connected to via SSH, but it's graphical, so you can uh, you can use it for you can you can still see what's happening without com constantly LSing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So uh, Connor, did you have a ball in the recent? <laughs> um, of of something some. Uh, standard project really really didn't um, stand out to me recently um, nothing off the top of my head yeah yeah I think well, with uh, this this kind of statement I think it's time for us to uh, to finish let's just uh, iterate over our socials and over our uh, over where to find us uh, so one place would be Twitter where we are at Linux Lads yeah we now have a Linux Lads Twitter and uh, next we have our website which is linuxleds.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed and get our episode into your podcast show which is exactly what you're already doing since you're listening to this probably <sighs> and uh, we are on telegram the link is ugly it's going to be on our show notes yeah, um, yeah we, we do have a um, our own separate telegram now so not to be Associated with those Dublin Linux heathens, yeah, <laughs> those guys. Man. Yeah, I mean the jerks, right? But uh, if you want to meet those jerks and us as well, <laughs> they are the same people. Oh, well, anyway, if you want to meet us in person, then um, obviously only nice, nice encounters, please. No egg throwing or anything. Uh, if you want to meet us, come to our meetup, and that's you can find that on uh, Linux Dublin Linux meetup. Uh, dublinlinux.org yeah, is, yeah. is the web address um, if you search for us on most of the search social media or all the links will be on that web page so um, that'll be dublinlinux.org if you want that information and with that it's time to say goodbye I've been Mike 
I've been Connor. And I've been Shane. Goodbye, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>